Welcome back to the All the Things podcast with Luke Tim. And um, today's guest is, um, man, this is a great story. I'm, I'm not going to ruin any of it. I'm just going to let it play out. But yeah, it's, um, it's a great story about a guy who um, had faith, was a Christian, then didn't, and then now does. But there's so much more to it than that. We, we do kind of ramble on about other things as well. We, we get away from his story a couple of times. I keep bringing it back because, man, is it a good story. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't I don't want to get too much into it because it's such a great podcast. It stands on its own. But I should say, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter, I am at Luke underscore Tim. Same with Instagram, Luke underscore Tim. And if you want to send me an email, something that I should address, somebody to talk to, or um, just something in general, you can always email me at all the things with Luke Tim at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening, and without further ado, here he is, Brandon. Now we're live. Almost did it a third time. All right, you getting me now? <laughs> now I got you, Brandon. Okay. Awesome. I was just about to say, like, you've told me your story a couple of times. I feel like I kept cutting you off because it's it feels big. And I want to get all of it kind of like at one time. Okay. <laughs> I guess it doesn't feel big, but I guess it's because I it's in my head all the time. I guess because <laughs> you lived it, and right. it just kind of feels like the life you lived, right? And, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but let's let's kind of um, dive back. Well, actually, let's start towards the end. I I met you because you called our church, and you were looking for a Bible study, right? And um, we've got a noon Bible study. It's it's convenient for you for work and all that kind of thing. Um, and are you a CPA? Is that right? Or uh, no? But I I crunch numbers. So okay, I work right. in investments, and I'm a spreadsheet monkey. <laughs> That's a great way. And I was, you look like it. <laughs> and I mean, no offense by that, but like every time you come in, you know, you're always wearing the button down shirt, and then the column I was like, yeah, that guy looks smart. Like he works with numbers all day. But then on the weekends, I'm wearing band T-shirts, so I have like a split personality. I maybe. dig that. And you were you were lead singer. I was a lead vocalist of a uh, progressive death metal band. Progressive death metal. Yeah. What is that? Um, <laughs> Versus regular death metal. So it's death metal, but a lot more intricate, um, a lot more neoclassical, shreddy riffs okay. instead of just chug 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 chug. A lot more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I got it. Maybe. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So, so you you call looking for a Bible study. This kind of works out. Um, you show up. We start talking and. Um, by the way, what an awesome Bible study. You guys make that so much fun for me. I just, I love our Wednesday Bible study. It's awesome. I can't imagine my week without it anymore, to be honest with you. Isn't it weird? Yeah. It, like, I look forward to it all week long. It's just like the best thing in the world. Um, and now you're talking about revelations and making me think too hard during Bible study. So I get back to work, I'm like, I have to stop thinking about revelations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knock it off. Quit thinking about the Bible. Quit that. Um, but, but a part of that was you, you were telling me about your journey kind of back to christianity so yeah where are you coming from 
Um, we can swear on this, right? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> essentially, asshole atheism. Asshole atheism. Yeah. Um, so I guess I can just kind of go back and just yeah. start. So I actually grew up LCMS, uh, was confirmed LCMS, uh, went to a Lutheran school all through eighth grade, pretty much got confirmed and said, all right, I did what my grandma and mom wanted me to do. I'm out. Okay. Um, so I turned my back on church, lowercase c, and then ultimately church, capital C. Yeah. Um, it just, it wasn't appealing anymore, I right. guess. And I think I was a bit of a rebel and a bit of a free thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, was there like an event, like a thing that was like, this is the reason why I'm leaving you forever, church? Um, not an event per se, although, and I guess I give this as a warning to people who raise their children very religiously, let them question things, let them come to their own thoughts, let them break free a little bit because otherwise they'll find a way themselves when they're out from underneath your roof. I couldn't agree more. Um, actually during confirmation, I almost didn't get confirmed even though I was like, had everything memorized, knew everything by heart. Um, because I was just a rabble rouser. So, like, I remember one week, just to be an ass, I brought the Book of Mormon to confirmation. <laughs> and my confirmation leader was, like, appalled. Then I had to start having special meetings with the pastor. Um, had to write a special report that no one else had to write. Like, So I had to go through some extra steps to get confirmed. But uh, anyway, yeah, so I got confirmed, kind of just said, yeah, this isn't for me anymore. Um, then I really took a left-hand turn. Um, started discovering uh, not only atheism. Well, I had always been, I've always been an armchair theologian. Yeah. Like I think comparative religion is one of most, still to this day is one, one of the most interesting things in the world. Like, yeah. I love learning about like Hinduism and these different Buddhist monks and um, weird tribal religions, Santeria, voodoo. Like I just, I don't th- practice Santeria. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just think it's, it's fun stuff. So I'd always been like that. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I just decided that being an asshole atheist was the way to go for me. Yeah. And um, so much so that um, I've looked up to – this is the hard part for me to admit. I actually looked up to, to the <laughs> ultimate asshole atheist, uh, Anton LaVey, um, which we can get more into that. Uh-huh. Um, and I found out years later – actually, my friend and I were just talking about this story um, in Fort Dodge is where I grew up. There was nothing to do on the weekend, so I'd all hang out around the square. Oh, my gosh. That sounds <clears throat> awful. <laughs> it was pretty awful. <laughs> anyway, there's a Baptist church in Fort Dodge that some would argue that sort of verges on being culty. Yeah. Um, and they were preaching on the square every weekend to try to reach us young rebels that were hanging out on the square. Oh, they came for you? They came for all of us right. teenagers. Now... I feel bad about what happens next, but part of me doesn't because they were like offering teenagers money to come to church and stuff. And think back to the Gospels. Christ never begged for followers. Right. He certainly wanted followers, but he never begged for followers. Right. Um, Or paid them for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. Um, Anyway, preaching on the square, from what I understand, is still outlawed to this day. Yeah. Um, Because of what I did next. So (laughs) I was getting kind of sick of these people. And so I decided to go put on a suit jacket, grab my satanic Bible by Anton LaVey, 
and preach over them with my loud teenage <laughs> obnoxious voice. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was actually pretty funny, even in retrospect. <laughs> Still uh, funny. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it anymore, but teenage me thought it was the most brilliant thing ever. Um, I would shout things like, oh, ye non-believers, come listen to me instead of these people. And, oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> so much so that they started calling me reverend because I asked them to. Oh They're my like, God. why are you doing this, reverend? And it, it was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, to this day, I don't see hear anything about preaching on the square anymore. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody in Fort Dodge. <laughs> That's Brandon's fault. Um, and I actually wore an Anton LaVey T-shirt to high school one day. Um. And one of the teachers stopped me and goes, do you know who that is on your shirt? And I'm like, yeah, I'm wearing it. And <laughs> she's like, he was a very bad man. And I'm like, eh, that's your opinion, um, which I thought at a public school was kind of weird for her to say that. Then I come to find out our cousin that worked at the school called my mother. They had had a special meeting about me because, mind you, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I graduated valedictorian. I was on the dean list in college. So here this really smart kid was. And they thought I was trying to start a cult at the well, high sure. school. And so they had a special meeting about me and called my mom. And <laughs> um, I had to throw the T-shirt away and throw away the book and everything. Um, yeah. And so that was me now pretty much all through high school. I didn't really go to church. I wasn't necessarily religious. I was also discovering heavy metal, which, by the way, Full disclosure, Satanism and heavy metal do not necessarily go together. Yeah. They, they can on occasion find one another to be to be bedfellows, but sure. yeah, it's not a thing. I, I know a lot of people listen to heavy metal. It's not a thing. Well, we'll get back to Anton LaVey and Satanism, okay. but fast forward, uh, I actually went to college at a Jesuit university, so Catholic, um, and I had to take a theology course called Christianity in Context. And I remember thinking, I am going to hate this class, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear everything I learned in confirmation again. I learned growing up at school. To this day, it's the favorite class I've ever taken. Really? Um, it was just, you know, we just learned different ways of thinking about scripture and different ways of interpreting it um, to the point where I'm like, oh, maybe I should come back. Right. In retrospect, I think it was the Holy Spirit sort of um, maybe whispering in the back of my mind, like, it's time, but yeah. I didn't open up the door. Um, and then we got to fast forward more time. I go to graduate school and everything. Still an atheist. I was one of those people that if someone would say to me, that's just what I believe. And that's just, and I have the right to believe it. Americans like to say things yeah. like that. Yeah. And I would say, true. And I also have the right to tell you why it's dumb. Yeah. Um, so you're just militant about it. Oh, I was pretty militant got about it. Face. Um, Sometimes, and I started to teeter off as I got a little older. I think that was an age thing. Like, just let people be happy, you know. Right. Uh, then sometime last year, actually, very recent, um, I just like, man, there's still something missing in my life. And like I said, I've always been kind of an armchair theologian. So I was like, let me start putting my toes in the water again. And it wasn't just Christianity thing. I was like, you know, I'll maybe I'll start checking out Baha'i, all these other things, to see what truths I find in there, see what their community is like. Uh, I was really kind of going at it backwards, though, I think. Like, I want to find a community I like, not a belief system that I believe. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Um, so I started just kind of dipping my toes in the water. Um, obviously, Christianity was familiar. And so I went to church once uh, at a Lutheran church, not LCMS. Um, and then, unfortunately, on Christmas Day, I've talked about this before, uh, my niece passed away, my newborn yeah. niece. And uh, for the first time in years... 
when we weren't sure if she was going to make it or not, you know, the news was still, we're trying to get the news from the hospital, but I, we weren't up there yet. I fell to my knees and prayed and I prayed certainly Christian prayers for the first time in probably a decade. And I remember getting up from those prayers and thinking, did you just pray to a God you don't believe in? That doesn't really make sense, Brandon. <laughs> um, needless to say, that was definitely the, the moment where I'm like, yes, I am missing something. Right. And I think the fact that I dropped to my knees and prayed to God and I said, in Jesus name you pray, was like, that wasn't just old motions. These old motions from decades ago aren't that right. I felt it. And, um, then I did start going to church more, not because I felt forced to, but because <clears throat> I wanted to. Right. And I just left feeling really good and joyful. And, uh, I guess that's what it's all about. Man. Did you feel like compelled in that moment to pray in a, in a Christian way, a Christian prayer? Or was it just like, I'm going to pray, it just happened? I was all by myself, so it wasn't like you know anyone was hearing me or listening to me. I just closed the door and I just dropped to my knees and prayed. And the words just came out. It was like, Heavenly Father and God. And I remember saying, I know I haven't talked to you in years, but please listen to me this time, you know. Um and I don't recall because it was a very emotional moment. I had tears streaming down my yeah, face. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, should I pull a Martin Luther? Like, if I don't die in this storm, you know, right. like I'm going <laughs> <laughs> right. to. I, I didn't do that. Obviously, I'm not going to be a priest or anything, but, um, or a monk. But yeah, that was really the turning point. And ever since then, I mean, that was only Christmas. So for what, six months yeah. ish? And uh, things have been going well. And I, of course, in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this going to be something that comes and goes? But it's still being strong. I'm actually in more Bible studies, not less. Uh, I've, like I said, when you find yourself wanting to go to church, that's 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 a good feeling too. Yeah, in fuego, man. That's that's it's been cool because I mean, you could tell the first time you you were in our Wednesday Bible study. I mean, anytime you join a group of people you don't know and sit down and read the Bible, you don't know. I mean, we could just be nut jobs in here, and right, you know, it could have been a weird, horrible experience, and then. So it's gone from that, oh, I don't know about this group, to like you're leaning forward and you're just like devouring the Bible and, and just all engaged. It's, it's just been trippy to watch. Yeah. And I do remember the first time I uh, took communion since coming back. Yeah. I'd never felt that way in my life before. And I think it's because it's the first time, hate to admit this, that I believed what I was doing. Uh-huh. Like I actually believed, you know, Christ's body and blood were present and that this was such an important thing for us to partake in, it just felt, I can't, I don't know how to say it. It just felt incredible. Like I just felt moved and like I almost moved to tears the first time. And I was like, okay, these aren't just little coincidences anymore. Like you're onto something, Brandon, and uh, it's okay. You know? Yeah. It's, it's okay to believe (laughs) and have that connection. Yeah. And it's because of it. I do sometimes get nervous though, because obviously being coming from where I came from, I have tons of secular friends and atheist friends and agnostic. And I remember thinking just occasionally, and it's not all the time, like, Oh, what are they going to think? Oh, I'm never going to hear the end of it from them. But I'm to a point, even just in six months, I don't care. Right. Yeah. Say what you want. I I really don't care. Do they give you a ton of shit? I haven't been horribly public about it. Um, I'm not like in the closet Christian or anything, but, um, Come out of the closet. <laughs> Oh, there's the fish, on, fish tattoo. Or Would whatever. It, it'd be funny if it was like coming out of the closet. Like, no, Brandon, you're not. I've known you a long time. There's no way you're a Christian. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure if I share this podcast, it'll be news to some people. So that, that could be kind of entertaining. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, I haven't gotten too much 
grief. Um, I do think some of my friends are a bit off put because I was a go-to for like, if they wanted to complain about the stupid things, the religious writer doing this week, I was definitely someone that's like, yeah, they're ridiculous. Right. I still do think that I, a lot. I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a few friends were off put, but I don't think no one's been like, well, we're not going to be your friend anymore because you're Christian. That'd be really ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't be friends, obviously. So, right. Yeah, it's uh, that's my journey to Christianity in a nutshell. Holy cow. It's, um, it's cool. Yeah. So, so rewind way back. Um, so it always kind of felt like a thing that was forced. Like you had to go to church. You had to go to confirmation. You had to do all that stuff. Um that that was the case all the way through high school. Were you still attending church in high school and, and doing things by force then or not as much? No, I think my mom had this idea in her mind that once I was confirmed, her duty was done and I did what I needed to do yeah. and she wasn't going to force me to go to church, which in a way I, I think of her that because I think if she would have forced me in high school, it would I would have gotten even worse. Yeah. Um, and admittedly, there was a time in college or so, I actually had a falling out. I don't think he realized we had a falling out, yeah. but with a, my actually my old pastor, because he decided he wanted to bring up politics before my aunt's funeral, and oh. I think he was actually just trying not to talk about the death. Yeah. I don't think he was Making in retrospect. Talk. He was just trying to make small talk, but he you know he's bringing up right wing politics, and I was about to enter graduate school, and I was just so I was like screw this guy, you know. Yeah. Um, but the same the same pastor was invaluable resource to my family during my niece's death. And I was like, and actually is the reason I remember looking at him sitting in the funeral home thinking there's a reason home's home, I guess. Right. Sure. I could go be a Methodist or I could go be a Baptist. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think there's a reason home's home's home. And like I said, the first church I went to discovering this was a Lutheran church, but it was Elka. Um, and it didn't feel the same. I know it sounds really weird. Before all this, the death happened and everything, I was like, oh, this just doesn't feel right. Sure. Um, and a lot of it was communion, looking back on it. Because really? I felt like every person in that line f- believed something different when they were going up to receive communion. Interesting. And you, could, you could almost feel it in the room. It was like a way to say hi to your neighbor. That's how they treated it. Like, hey, how's it going? And it's like, oh, wow. Oh, this is a holy sacrament. Like, maybe we should take this a little more seriously. Yeah, and you picked up on that. Yeah. See, I think sometimes... Um, people from your perspective pick up on those things better than uh, the regular hyper-religious every single week because they get zoned in, tuned in. They, they stop paying attention to, to everything else. You kind of need that outside perspective of, of people going, no, this is different. This is definitely different. But so you came from a, a very religious family like all the way through or? Um, I think we became LCMS because my great great uncle was a german immigrant okay uh, he was required to go to church twice a sunday once in german once in english and then sunday school and i think that's how we my family extended family became lutheran um we definitely like my grandmother we were definitely a church every sunday type of family my immediate family not super religious but definitely um actually i was the only one of my siblings to go to a Lutheran school. Okay. Uh, I was the oldest by seven years. I think it was something my grandma really wanted. Yeah. And we were, were super poor. So I'm not really sure how that all worked out. I feel like my grandma worked something out or maybe yeah. they had tuition assistance or something. Cause I remember looking back on, cause I was always the poor kid in school too. So I think that's another reason I held resentment towards my religious school is cause I was, I was the poor kid. Yeah. Um, 
and he, I knew it too. I just felt it every day when I'd walk in, you know, uh, uh-huh. little tidbit about that to make you feel really poor. Actually, <laughs> my, uh, my teacher, my teacher's family, I guess, did some sort of gift exchange, not an exchange, but anyway, I got a gift from a mystery person, uh, quote unquote, yeah. and it was new shoes. And of course I wore those new shoes to school after Christmas break or whatever. And I remember the teacher's daughter, who was also my class, going, oh, Brandon, those are such cool shoes. Where did you get them? I mean, she knew, and I knew. You can tell. And my heart just sunk, you know. And um, so I, now that I'm talking about that, maybe that's where a lot of my resentment Gosh. came from. Oh. Um, charity, charity is one of those things where it's so well-intended, and it, but it can be so misguided. It can cause more harm and hurt than it does good. Is, we try and be really careful when we do um, – work in Africa because we don't want to develop that. We, we don't want it to become, here come the rich Americans to solve your problems with money and we don't really want to know you. <laughs> just, <Right. laughs> just give you some money and then we take pictures and feel better about ourselves. And that's, that is not helpful to anybody. Sure. It just builds this dependency that's toxic. Oy. But I think a lot of it too is, like my mom always said, I was just too smart for my own good. Yeah. Because I remember even when I was still trying to go to the pastor with my questions, I would be like, so what do we don't like about the Salvation Army? What's wrong with them? Like I would just pick a nomination like, so what's wrong with them? Right. And he would give me legitimate answers like Salvation Army goes, nothing wrong. They're great with charity. Certainly don't have anything against them, but I don't think they partake in the sacraments at all. Yeah. Um, and he goes, we hold those very important. And now I can see that. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But back then I was like, who cares? You know, <laughs> <laughs> They feed hungry people. They give things to poor people. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I – if people aren't confused already, uh, <laughs> Satanism can take many different forms. And I think sometimes people think Satanism and the Church of Satan are worshiping the deity of yeah, Satan. Killing goats and sacrificing things. And they're not. Um, it's atheistic Satanism. The Church of Satan started by Anton LaVey in 66 or so. Yeah. Um, he was a he had worked at carnivals growing up playing the organ and he would see all these at revivals essentially and he saw all these people you know going to these church revivals on Sunday morning but the night before they'd be at the carnival you know with their concubines and uh, so he would see the worst of people right. and he's like this is so stupid he saw the hypocrisy and capitalized on it <clears throat> exactly and so the really really it's atheism with theatrics <laughs> that's okay. it um, too much theatrics, like ridiculous theatrics. Right. Like uh, I've never, I never officially joined because they literally make you write them like a $200 check <laughs> to join because they're like, at least we're honest about it. Like it's part of their, right. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I didn't actually, but, um, it really is just kind of asshole atheism. Okay. It's really, and there's theatrics, I think to make people feel like they're part of a religion. Right. And to be blasphemous, purposely, yeah. mostly to Christianity. Um, like they do a black mass. Uh-huh. Uh, they do – they say hail Satan all the time, like to greet each other, which again is theatrics. Right. Um, but really, if you read the Satanic Bible, and I have it in years and I don't really plan on it doing it at all. <laughs> okay. Um, there's so much – he takes a lot of it from Nietzsche. Um, and there's a lot of Epicureanism in it. So there's, it's a lot of, um, I guess mental hedonism. Yeah. Cause essentially Satanism says, do what you want, make yourself happy as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else's happiness. Right. Uh, 
but how far does that go? Right. Um, so we believe nothing. Do what makes your body feel good. But how far does that, you know? Yeah. And how, why am I the judge of what makes somebody else happy? You it, know, and where the line is. And so, no, I don't care if you don't like it a lot. <laughs> if you right. like it a little. Um, and then there's actually another book Anton LaVey wrote called The Satanic Witch. And that one I have not read. But I kind of read it in a nutshell, like I've read a summary. And essentially it's telling women to do what you need to do to take control of your life, including using your body. So it doesn't – atheism sounds so freeing, right? I don't believe anything. So now he writes a book saying – and a lot of people even in the Church of Satan saying maybe that book was a mistake – saying, you want to get in head life? It's okay. It's okay to screw your way to the top. Wow. Can you in – the, in the movement of the Me Too movement, in light of the Me Too, can you imagine that? Yeah, that's great. Well, there is a, a, an absolute real contradiction there, right? Because if you don't have a moral compass that says screwing your way to the top is bad and it is an advantage, I mean, so you're a smart guy, but should you say, well, you, you shouldn't use your advantage of your mental capacity to get ahead in your job? Like, well, no, that's, that's a, that's advantage is fine. Yeah. But if you don't have a moral compass that says, I have a sexy body that everybody wants, why can't I use that advantage? I don't have the brain that Brandon does, but I got boobs. <laughs> so, you know, it's that's where is the moral compass in, in those things? Is it is the challenge of um, humanity to kind of figure out if if not a God, if not some kind of theistic moral, then it's kind of like this collective thing. And somebody's always like, – so I've, always, I've been thinking about this uh, Harvey Weinstein thing mm. and how much um, – how long that's going to last because at some point you get the correction. But what if there's the, the next young girl? I mean it's, it's going to be an, another young woman who restarts this thing. Will the correction be someone lying? They're proved it's a lie and it becomes a big lawsuit. And then people start backing off again. Could be. And I'm not saying that's the right thing to do or the right thing to happen, but I think women coming forward is actually a great thing. I agree. But I will just – anybody, like it is not a way to bring somebody down just because you don't like them. And I'm not saying just men too, like right. lying about – essentially slandering somebody in light of recent social changes isn't the way to go about things either. Right. And I'm not saying half of them are lies or anything, but there's definitely – some of them have to be right, and that scares me because, like you said, I think that's going to bring the correction. Yeah. Someone's going to lie so much it's going to go on for like a year, and then something's going to come out, right? And it's going to turn into a lawsuit. And people are going to go, no one's going to listen anymore, right? Right. I had I had a um, a really I was in a really tough spot when I was in college. This is a uh, a story I've I've told a handful of people, and and I just I had forgotten it because it was so terrifying it's like i compartmentalized it and stuck it in the back of my brain but it's, it's when i realized how powerful sex is i was in college and um i was i was dating my current wife i don't think we were engaged yet but we were pretty close to engaged because it was my fourth year of college um work security and we had to see it was such a joke like my job as security was to walk around and make sure the doors were locked Unless I worked the late shift, in which case I had to unlock them <laughs> before class started. So like security. Um, so working security, we had a dispatch, which again is um, somebody sitting up at the front desk with a radio and, and somebody says, hey, I need a door unlocked. And then you go there. So we, we just spend time hanging out up front. There was a girl working dispatch and it's like two, three in the morning and I'm tired and she's tired and 
and uh, we're talking. She was new. I hadn't really ever met her. We're just chatting. She feels lonely because she's new to, to the campus. And I was like, well, you hang out with some of us. We're going out next week. And she goes, no, I don't. I don't know. And I go, no, come on. So we hang out like one time like with a group of friends. She's happy. She's thankful. Next time I see her, she was like, that was really nice. And thanks for that. And I go, you know, you, my buddy, my buddy Ben is single. You guys should like go on a date or something. Now this this buddy Ben of mine is a seminary pre seminary student going to be a pastor. She's met him, the nicest guy on the planet, and she goes, "Oh, I don't know." And I go, "Come on, I'm just trying to get her connected and and make friends." I'm like, "Come on," and we're playing blackjack. Just okay. we got cards, and I go, "How about this? I win this next hand. You go on a date with him. I lose this next hand. I'll never bring it up again." Okay. I win, and I go that. Ah! You got to go. And she's like, oh, and I go, you bet. You made the bet. You got to go. You got to go. Next Friday, you know, we'll double date. Joni and I will go with you. It'll be great. Next day, I get hit with sexual harassment. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I, I was, you know, 19 or uh, 21. I was terrified. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, there wasn't anything sexual about it. I, right. I, I wasn't trying to be, and I guess I... And she said I was in a position of authority because I'm a security guard. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, dude. I was sweating bullets. I actually had a similar situation. Yeah? Far more serious, though. Fresh out of college, interning with the Department of Defense at the Corps of Engineers in Utah for a training. We go visit actual Salt Lake City. We actually had some free time, so a bunch of us go to Salt Lake City. And then as we're walking around Salt Lake City, Temple Square, which is very beautiful, by the way. Um, when you talk to Jim, I could bring up some of the stuff about Temple Square. I thought it was really weird. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, one of the older women says, Hey, maybe we should get some beers and we can all hang out tonight. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm fresh out of school. I'm, I used to drink a lot, by the way. That was another <laughs> thing for my past. Um, and I was like, heck yeah, let's do that. Well, in Utah, you have to go to a special state sponsored I've heard of this, liquor yeah. store or whatever. So we have to prepare, we get some high gravity brews and, we're having a good time. So, like, everyone's in this room, hotel room drinking, having a good time. <clears throat> uh, one of the guys there was, like, recovering alcoholic, so he didn't drink, and he excused himself first. Uh, and then kind of just dwindled down to the younger people, which it usually does. Um, and then, unfortunately, I found myself just between three of us, and then things got a little blurry, And but I remember everything. Right. And so go to my room, wake up the next morning, hangover from hell, ready to go down, back down to training. And like my head's pounding. And I was like, oh my God, get me through today, you know? Yeah. And I go downstairs and here this woman is waiting for me, Brandon. And I'm like, what? She's like, I need to talk to you right now. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? I have no idea what I'm about to hear. I'm just thinking that she's going to say, oh my God, she got so drunk last night. You know, one of those stories. She goes, what happened between us last night? And I said, Oh, we all drank in your room. We were laughing, having a good time. And at about way too late, about 2.30, I went back to, you know, whatever. And she's like, no, what happened between us last night? She goes, I'm freaking out. I never cheated on my husband and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, well, you didn't last night. Not with me. Um, she goes, well, I just, I, I just remember us being kind of flirty. And I was like, we were joking around and there was no, like, it wasn't a romantic flirt. It was just teasing thing. And it, it was still the three of us. She goes, well, then I found, she goes, like, then I found blood and fecal matter all over my bathroom. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a medical issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
but here's the cra- here's the crappy part, pun intended, about the whole situation. She's like, "Well, I already got the keys from my boss to the van, so I can so I could go into town and get the morning after pill." And I said, "You went to your boss and told him about what happened, or you thought what happened, to go get the morning after pill." Mind you, her boss was the person putting on this entire training who had actually gave me an informal job offer the night before. Oh, no. <laughs> he wouldn't even look at me the rest of the week because I think your first instinct is to believe somebody, or, or even well, if I they're just so. worried. Yeah. Right. And by, by, by the end of the week, she was convinced, you're right, nothing, you know. But that, that kind of ruined that career path for me. Not ruined it because I don't think I would have done it long term. Soured it for sure. Oh, my gosh. And I was just like... All because you were confused about what happened. So where did the blood and poop come from? <laughs> I don't know, and that's the part of the story. I really am. I think she just got really sick. Okay. I just don't think she drank very often, and I think she probably ended up throwing up. And, right. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. But I don't know in what world she came from. We're like, oh, there's blood and poop. It must have been sex. I, don't know. Uh, I think you and your husband have been doing this wrong. <laughs> Let me guess. No kids. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. And yeah. I actually told one of my coworkers about it the next day, and she goes, Brandon, that's awful. And she goes, I just wouldn't talk to anybody about this anymore yeah. just because, you know, people are going to read into it the wrong way. And yeah, yeah, it was a nightmare. Um, luckily, it didn't go any further than that. Um, but just imagine if I had got dragged through a court case or oh my gosh, or something like that, you know. So I think we have to be – I think accusations are – are fair and they need to happen, but we need to make sure that they're, they're founded. Yeah. Well, I was lucky um, in that. So the, the report comes out and it, and, and she just listed exactly what happened, exactly what I just said, but it still got filed. Cause I mean, you're going to file it if, if she files sexual assault and then people would read it and go, um, here's the thing. <laughs> that's, that's not, exactly something for charges and then a, a buddy of mine uh who is a, a an adult a, actually kind of a wealthy guy he caught wind of it and said this is ridiculous put his attorneys on it and um the attorney sent a letter and said if this proceeds um we will be suing you inside out um and it every, everything disappeared and went away but it, it was super awkward around campus for the rest of that year i i can imagine because <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, I got accused and then all people ever heard was Did you hear luke got accused of sexual harassment be like all right stop let me tell you i would actually carry around my copy of the charges be like just read this and then you tell me and they'd be like oh, that's stupid <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah i think so too but geez but yeah. back, let's get back to satanism okay <laughs> that's super interesting to me well i think the two okay there's i don't bring a print off or anything so i'm going to, have to <laughs> google them but there's a thing called the nine satanic statements and those are usually what i would yell when i was quote preaching um so this is all the way back in like high school you were yeah. well into was there like a satan club in fort dodge no remember they thought i was starting one <laughs> that's right <laughs> which you probably kind of quasi were <laughs> um yeah and like the imagery is cool. Like it's, that's why they bring in theatrics, right? The big Baphomet yeah. and the, you know, there's boobies. And honestly, I mean, I was reading tons of stuff by Anton LaVey in high school, just because I go check them out from the library. By the way, those books get stolen quite often. Yeah, I bet. Probably by Christians. <laughs> yeah, they probably don't want to get caught checking them out or something, you know. Um, and I thought 
at the time these nine satanic statements spoke kind of true and like because i pointed out the hit, a lot of hypocrisy in christianity so if you'll humor me i'll uh, please do all right <clears throat> satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence okay satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. (laughs) Uh, Here's one that I actually, it's, it's, Kind of good, actually. Satan represents man just as another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those who walk on all fours, who because of his, quote, divine spiritual and intellectual development, end quote, has become the most vicious animal of all. And there's some truth to that. Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. And last but not least, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. <laughs> okay, that one's just silly. <laughs> yeah. So you can see the appeal. For sure. And there, But here's the thing. Where is he getting his quote? And I've been telling you every time I say Satan, Satan theology, I put it in quotes because yeah. it's not a real theology. Right. Um, saying, hey, let's take what Christianity does and do opposite. There's <laughs> a lot of that, right? Right. And the other stuff is total – the hedonism I was talking about. Yeah. So you see a lot of parallels to, like I said, Epicureanism. You hear a lot of Nietzsche, and I don't think Anton LaVey would deny that. Uh, and actually quite a bit, a little bit of parallel to Ayn Rand. Okay. Um, in, in other words, it's the do what you want yeah. type of philosophy. Now, I'm not comparing Satanism to libertarianism. Because <laughs> that's uh, actually kind of where I lean. <laughs> I'm a little bit libertarian myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's nine satanic statements, and you can see why some people would go, Hmm, this kid in that suit jacket has a point. Right. <laughs> um, but they're very first order thinking. Okay. In other words, yeah, they sound good on the surface. But if we only wasted love on people who only deserve it, who would we love? Right. Ourselves probably. And we don't deserve it, but we would be thinking that in those terms. Right. Would I, I don't, I don't know if I'd love anyone in my family because there's certainly times like they don't deserve my love today. Right. You know, uh, and Satan's kept the church in business all these years. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, the most that one with the most vicious animal of all is our people. Is I don't know that Christians would disagree with that. But I think the part that he's trying to tear on Christianity is the fact that God made us in His image, and that we are one of His most highly held creations. Right. right? Like I think we discussed a few weeks ago how we're even above angels. Yep. So that obviously kicks that idea in the right in the face right it's, which, it's the answer to that it's, it's the response to say well if, if man is in god's image then obviously god's a monster because look what men do right huh yeah that's interesting now were, were you like um full in for how many years were you were you kind of thinking this way um Four to five, because like I said, I got to be a freshman in college, and I kind of hit the reset button because college was really good for me because I started to see people that weren't from my community and, you know, people of different backgrounds and 
and I met a lot of people that were pretty cool, but were super religious. And I was like, Oh, I guess they're not <laughs> mutually exclusive. Right. Like you can be religious, still have a good time. I mean, it was an Irish Catholic school. So <laughs> yeah, they taught me how to drink or not taught me to not how to drink. Am I saying that right? <laughs> I think yes. <laughs> um, so like I said, I was never a card carrying member, although I had thought about it plenty of times, but I, in my younger years, I could never defend giving $200 to the church of Satan to get a membership yeah, card. Yeah. When you're a high school kid, 200 bucks is 200 bucks. Yeah. I could think of all yeah. sorts of things. But you would that. have said you were a Satanist or a Satan worshiper or a Satan friend. I, I think if, <laughs> if I wanted to shock people, I'd say I was a Satanist. Yeah. If I was just trying to, if I was talking to an adult, I guess, or someone that. I yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of eighth. I'm just not sure what I believe. You don't really put that on a job application. No. <laughs> now there are, I was going to point this out. So the Church of Satan, started by Anton LaVey, is atheistic Satanism. Good. As you can tell, yeah, it uses the word Satan, but they don't really believe in him, which I think is kind of a misnomer. Right. Again, I think it's for shock value. Right. But there was actually a, a schism in the Church of Satan later on <laughs> because there was an argument saying that they should be worshiping the, the dark deity. And so the Temple of Set was started, and they actually worship – it's theistic Satanism. Okay. So they actually worship Set, Satan. They essentially think it's all the same yeah, dark being. It wouldn't make sense to worship – if you don't believe in God, you wouldn't believe in Satan. So why would you be a Satanist? So it does make sense that it's more of just theatrics and, and fun atheism, poking fun at Christians. The best description I've ever heard of Levian Satanism – our Satanists is that they're asshole hippies. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of true. Right. Like, I'll do what I want. It won't affect you. Just, you know. But again, most people I've met that consider themselves Satanists are you just doing it kind of as a show. Yeah. Um, it's not saying that they don't necessarily believe to those nine statements I read, but right. they might. But they're not going to black mass. Right. They're not killing goats. and but, You know, they're not saying. using naked women as altars, yeah. which it's in the, some of the books. Like, that's part of this. Right. The rituals. But again, it's all theatrics. Yeah. Like they would get together just as kind of like church members do for coffee and donuts. They're getting together to worship over a naked woman, I guess. <laughs> I, right. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> seems like it could draw a crowd of dudes. Yeah. So well, I would say to Christians, don't be afraid of Satanists necessarily. Yeah. And that, first of all, there aren't that many. Right. And most of these groups are not the Church of Satan that have come out, like, putting up these uh, big statues, like in Arkansas. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, these are just groups that are trying to push First Amendment, and so they create a, quote, satanic organization to put something blasphemous up to offend other people. Right. So, again, it's theatrics, but they're creating all these different groups across the country. And I'm not sure how I feel about that because I do kind of like the separation of church and state. I think it's kind of important for our society. But then at what point are you say just being an asshole about it? Right. Like maybe the Ten Commandments shouldn't be up in courthouses. I don't know. I don't necessarily – I don't think I take a hard line view one way or the other. Right. But then is the answer to put up a big statue of Baphomet? Right. I, why not pick a Hindu deity or something? Like right. that millions – billions of people actually worship. Yeah. Instead of something that a few thousand people across America quote unquote worship. Yeah, I get sick of, of Christians complaining about, you know, the, the the war on Christmas and the war on this and they're taking the Ten Commandments out. You know, we have to embrace and accept the fact that in, in the US, Christianity is the big kid on the block. Yeah. And you of course, I mean that that's what you do. You you pick on the big kid. And that's more of a testimony to us that 
it's it's been a part of our our country and our culture for a long time, and I don't think that that's bad. But I also don't. I have no, and this kind of circles back to something you said earlier. Asking questions is okay. I'm not afraid. If if we take the Ten Commandments out of a courthouse, I'm not worried that all of a sudden, you know, we're we're going to be the court justice system is going to lose its way, and now all we're going to do is say, is sentence good Christians to, you know, sex, rape, in prison. Like I, it's not going to happen. Well, this is where my progressive friends agree with me is in the present, which is. Right-wing Christians just kind of need to to stop. You're kind of giving everyone a bad name. Yeah. Um, far right-wing. I'm sorry. Extremists, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I should say. Um, Fundamentalists. Yeah. Just just stop, yeah. <laughs> please. But this is the thing I don't think my progressive friends like to hear, which is I think the day of persecution of Christians is coming, and I think it might be in my lifetime. Now, I don't know. Right. Um, so tread lightly, I guess. So definitely st- – Christians stand firm in your faith, um, but don't take everything as an attack on you personally. Right, right. Um, and and if the Bible says it's going to happen, you don't get to stop it. It's it's not. I mean, if so, Revelation does talk about this time of tribulation, and we're not there yet. We're at chapter two, <laughs> so it's going to be a while. But but I, what I always am, am just amazed by is, is Christians who are. I'm talking about how terrible these times are and how we've got to fight against this and go, well, but the book says <laughs> that we're going to go through this. So do you want to, do you want to make history prove the Bible wrong? <laughs> like, yeah. Cause that seems like a bad idea. <laughs> I, I think, I think sometimes that that persecution is going to come in a way we don't expect it. Yeah. And it's going to come from leaders who purport that they're super Christian. Well, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Antichrist is going to be, putting right. himself up as somebody who is very Christ-like and and has a, a faith that misleads and, and misguides lots of people. So with that theory, we should be really nervous every time the evangelical like fundamentalists endorse a candidate. We should go, could be the Antichrist. <laughs> no, I am. I absolutely am. I'm always like, gosh, and, and Luther – 500 years ago, it said something brilliant. He said, I'd rather be uh, ruled by a wise Turk than a foolish Christian. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, right? So he's got faith, but he's a moron and ruins the country. Yeah. Doesn't sound like anybody I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's, – I'm not afraid because if what I believe is true, then I'm okay with Anybody pressing up against it and and saying no, this is wrong, this is false. Okay, As I had a, a great conversation once with a kid who was terrified, um, but his mom kind of forced him to come and talk to me. And he he was asking all these questions. Had watched some things on on YouTube about how Christianity was stupid and wrong, and how the Bible contradicts itself, and blah blah blah. And I said, no, it's it's cool. And he was you could just tell he was like, uh, you're going to yell at me because. And I go, no, no. Ask your questions, man. Let's do this. And we sat down and and he was – again, he was in like seventh grade. So it's not like he was um, – he was just scared and nervous. But he was stunned that every time he would go to a YouTube and like I opened up my laptop. and was like, yeah, let's watch the video. We watch a video and I'd pause and say, OK, here's what he's saying that, that this verse contradicts this verse. And, and I just kind of unpack it and be like – they're talking about two different things, so it's not really contradictory. You see that? And you go, yeah. So at the end, he was just kind of like, huh, that was disappointing <laughs> because he was convinced that I wouldn't have answers. Look, if, if I don't have answers, 
then I'm I'm a part of the wrong faith, and and I would like to know that. <laughs> so, yeah, so I would bail on Christianity in a heartbeat if I discovered it's uh, undeniably false. That sounds like discussions I had to have with my pastor, but YouTube wasn't around yet. Right, <laughs> right. So it was all books and yeah, yeah. Very similar. How did we do anything without YouTube? I don't know. Oh, it's kind of weird. I couldn't fix my furnace or anything. Well, obviously, we wouldn't even consider someone like LaVey a false prophet. But right. I wanted to draw some parallels because I was thinking about this today. Um, we don't have to worry about LaVey and Satanism taking over Christianity. I don't, I don't think that's a realistic worry. Nope. Um, and hey, Satanists, if you have questions, talk to us. You know, We'd love to have you on the team. But... Um, <laughs> It got me thinking about false prophets and, you know, we've had a period of almost 2000 years now since, you know, the Bible was written. Mm -hmm. And so it's made me realize that that's why some of these modern Christian faiths, I think have become so popular because I think people think, well, why did they get all the attention from Jesus in those first century or so after his resurrection? And how come we don't get any? So I think you hear someone like Joseph Smith come about Oh, there's something to that. It's been almost 2,000 years. It's probably time for God to send another prophet. Sure. So I think that's why people buy into it. I don't think people are stupid or gullible. I mean, people are both those things Some sometimes. Of them are, sure. But I, I kind of get it. I kind of get what would lead them to thinking, you know, maybe that there's something to this, right? Because oh, he yeah. had supposed witnesses. He, and I'm not trying to steal Jim's thunder for his, yeah. his podcast, <laughs> but that's just an example. I, I've realized that sometimes I see why people go to those types of faiths. Oh, yeah. are, are just Schofield type faiths yeah. Uh, because it's why did they get all this information so early on and we are we just getting skipped over until the resurrection of Christians? Right. It doesn't seem fair. Oh, the new and the novel is always and, – and it so there is a, a bit of like biology that drives it um, and it's, it's part of what sets us aside from the, the rest of the critters on this planet is that we, we see new and innovation and we move forward. You know, we um, – Without that desire to see something new, to try something new, we wouldn't have flight. We wouldn't have automobiles. We wouldn't have nuclear power. We wouldn't have all kinds. We wouldn't have microphones and podcasts. Like we, we, we would still be banging rocks together. You know, that, that's that's kind of who. It's kind of what sets us apart. So that new and novel things are attractive just naturally. And so, a new. Oh, guess what? I was reading the Bible. I came up with this new thing about how. All hot chicks should be in my religion. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, pe- people get excited because, oh, he, he discovered something new. But that's I th- it's a critical component to us as people to seek those new things. Not opposed to that, but it's it's the ancient truths don't get undone in the midst of that. So there's a lot of progressive stuff I think the church ought to absolutely be a part of and not – not shy away from as long as it doesn't violate the ancient stuff going back to the ancient truth. That makes sense. I think that was one of my nervous, one of my points of nervousness kind of getting back into things was I was afraid that I was going to get in with a group that was anti-science or, um, you know, anti-LGBT or things like that. And I was like, you know, science is science, you know, like, I'm not saying everything is complete fact, right? but so far I haven't seen any science textbook burnings. <laughs> and I'm going to church every Sunday. I've been, I've been waiting for the, the Those fire. Those are Saturday night. You just Saturday nights. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I haven't heard of anyone turning gay couples away. Right. Um, 
now it's not to say it wouldn't marry him, but that's a whole different subject. Right. But um, I just think if we we knew more about this, if like non non believers and believers would just kind of talk to each other more, and that's the problem. We it's this uh, tri- idea of tribalism. Yes, and America's horrible about it now. Yes, politically and everything. So we want to put ourselves on these teams. Um, and people have heard about that tribe of Christianity and they hate gay people. Right. And that's, I think that's a problem too, because well, it's not true. And a, a big, well, part of it, it's mostly not true. It's mostly not true. <laughs> There's assholes everywhere. There's asshole Christians. Absolutely. Right. But it, it, part of it, I think is that I always, I always want to take ownership for what's our fault. Part of what our fault is, is that we didn't do a good job of staying out of that, um, conversation where, I am I am kind of opposed to Christians lobbying Christian things. Sure. Because then it, it makes perfect sense that you're you're placing yourself in that camp of those guys. And then it's I, I don't think it's right, but I don't think it's um unreasonable for somebody to say, Well, yeah, you're in that camp and that camp has a lot of people that hate gay people, so you must be somebody who hates gay people because you're in that tribe. Sure. Man, we should have stayed out of the tribe. Christians <laughs> should have stayed out of the Republican Party. Absolutely, 100%. Because now it feels like if you're a Christian, you can't be a Democrat. And I go, well, there's some things about the Democrats I kind of like. But I can't say that out loud because, you know, sure, wrong tribe. Yeah. It's this last bullshit. election was horrible. It really was. I mean – yeah, I don't want to get going on that. <laughs> but we talked about this before about the gay marriage debate. And um, even when it was going on, and it's probably no big surprise, I'm pretty progressive on most things. There are some issues. Mm-hmm. Actually, believe it or not, abortion, where I'm probably not in line. But uh, I said to my friends, I said, okay, this is a great thing. I'm glad people are getting rights. But I said, this isn't – I think we should just do civil unions. And they're like, why? Why do they deserve less rights? Like, I I'm not saying just for them. I'm right. saying for everybody. Right. Get the government out of the business of marriage, and then we wouldn't have had this debate in the first place. Uh, right. So if a gay couple comes to a super conservative fundamental church, hey, can we get married? No. Well, it doesn't mean they still can't get the certificate and get the tax benefits. Correct. It's, I'm with you. I mean, it's kind of a libertarian view on marriage, but mm-hmm. man, <laughs> I am like, what a needless debate of 20 years. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't disagree. Um, and even, even uh, I am not opposed to... Um, so if everything that is of the state is the civil union and then there are churches that choose, I, we are going to marry gay couples, cool. My my only concern is what happens if it turns into um, something similar to the Christian baker where if I turn a gay couple away from from being married at Living Faith, now what? Oh, that's fair. That's a fair worry. Right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so I go, look, it's it's kind of happened a couple of times with some pizza and some cakes. So, yeah. it's the, not. But anyways, it's th- that's the the we should have stayed out of that. We should we we can't. One of my big issues is I think the evangelical fundamental Christian right believes that we can legislate faith by way of legislating morality to make people believe in Jesus. Right. So if we make it illegal to do something we don't believe in, then nah, ha, see, you're Christian by default. Nah, gotcha. <laughs> if we learn anything from history, you can't legislate morality. G- correct. Absolutely. I mean, making, I, I am, I'm a pretty pro-life guy. There's no question about it. 
But when we press to to legislate, and, and that's that's our entire focus, I go. So we still have a problem on our hands, right? And, and you know, we're spending a ton of resource, and and I don't disagree with spending the resource to because I, I mean, if if you hold a position like I do that these are human beings mm-hmm. and human beings are dying. That's important. We should spend resources there. Okay, cool. But now once we get that, are we spending resources on um, human sexuality, which I think is this other giant topic that's out there. We're saying, man, let's let's invest in understanding sexuality. We're in a way hyper-sexualized culture where young children are engaging in sex, getting pregnant. Let's deal with some of that shit that's going on because that that shit's terrifying. Well, I was the lead singer of a metal band, and we did <laughs> tour here yeah. and there. And um, so, yeah, sexual morality is a really real thing. <laughs> um, but I will say, coming from that, <clears throat> and you know, not even going to try to pretend I'm some perfect person that has waited till marriage or something. Um, there's a reason it's suggested. Yeah. <laughs> maybe suggested is a weak word, but there's a reason, right? And it causes a lot of problems, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, probably even. Uh-huh. Um, because what I found myself, and this is something I really only kind of fixed to myself probably a few years ago, was like I told you earlier, I used to drink a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. And um, I wasn't alcoholic, but I was a lush, I guess. <laughs> but I was on my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, what I found is I started to get bored with drinking because what I realized the reason I was going out years prior was to go find somebody at the bar. Yep. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to find somebody at the bar, what's the point of going out? It, it just, it was this whole thing. So I was like, I'm getting crappy drunk because I'm too nervous to do it sober, but that's my whole purpose of going out. Right. Like this doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get drunk to have sex that I'm too nervous to have sober. <laughs> right. What? <laughs> like, and the drunk sex is the best sex. <laughs> Oh, I don't feel good. (laughs) Because we made the point once, uh, because people ask the question, why is God so obsessed with sex? Like, why is he peeking in our bedrooms? He's not. He's everywhere, first of all. Right. (laughs) But he's not. People are. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And he's 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 got this plan and this this whole thing. He's hey, this works. Hey, guys, this works. If you want, nope, I don't want anything to do with that. I, I want to live a life full of regret <laughs> and poor decisions. And I, I tell couples when they're getting married um, that have had previous sexual partners, I, I'm pretty crass about it. I'm like, listen, you're going to spend the first couple of years trying to unfuck your previous boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's the way it is. You you have to get um, just the way it is. If if especially if it's an unequal thing, if if she waited and he didn't. All right. Yeah. So now she's thinking, "Am I as good as?" Yeah. And in a in a world of Facebook, she can see his ex girlfriend's picture right there, and she's cute. Maybe she's a couple of pounds less. Maybe she's a little bit taller. Hmm. Or what did what did she do that I'm not doing in bed? Right. See. Yeah. It's rough. But it. <laughs> yeah, sex is this whole other beast. I think. <laughs> well, this gets back to the point. You know, we kind of drawing it back to Satanism, though, because it's funny. Um, <laughs> I always laugh when I think of Satanists. <laughs> uh, so they're saying just do whatever, 
right? As long as it impedes somebody else's happiness. But you're not going to know if that sexual act is impeding their happiness probably until after the fact, right? Yeah. What about that girl that's too nervous to say no or a little – just too that little bit too drunk where really she's not making decisions? You're not impeding her happiness, but I bet tomorrow you are. Right. Uh, exactly right. And there is um, – there's well, there, there has been a couple of cases that have hit national uh, headlines where um, – I think there's the Occidental College case. Remember that a couple of years ago oh, yeah. where um, they're texting back and forth and they're both drunk. He comes over. Um, she's texting, stop and get condoms. Um, he comes over. They have sex. And the next day she decides, I was too drunk to consent. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I was drunk. <laughs> so right. was I too drunk to consent? Like, well, hold, hold, hold on. Um how, how do you have sex if we have to check all these boxes? And and so it's interesting that there's this whole group of people trying to navigate the waters of what is consent, how is it given, how do we manage this? And then there's this group of Christians over here going, you know, there's this other way. Right. <laughs> you just don't do that. And then you get married and then you have to deal with all that. It's true. It, when, when you're saying before, um, I think it was one of the the nine things, nine satanic uh, verses. Um, it is the indulgence, you know, instead of uh, abstinence. Abstinence. My first thought was, man, all, all of the things I've, I've ever thought of when it comes to, and I haven't always thought this way. I was I went through a rebellious stage, not quite satanist rebellious, but <laughs> but you know, in, in my in my opinion now, I look at the boundaries God puts up, and I go, there is so much more indulgence inside of that. Because when you indulge outside of, of the bounds of, of marriage, for instance, with like Occidental College, now you've got all kinds of troubles and, you know, he, he's facing, you know, court and jail time and, and all these things of rape where he just wanted to indulge one night. You know, he could very well be confined, constrained and abstinent in prison. Yeah. Let's hope. Doubt it. <laughs> right. Oh, so. he, well, he won't be consenting in prison. <laughs> Guaranteed not. <laughs> but um, what, what was life like um, when you were in the midst of this uh, deep into to Satanism and deep into that? Or uh, try to be careful because it didn't sound like you were deep into Satanism as much as you were in that atheist militant world. Um. I think it was – I mean, was life really all that different? Probably probably not. Mind you, it was really different because I was much younger. But I think I felt – it's also easier to be that when you're young, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Because death isn't staring right in front of you or it's not as evident at the time. I don't know if – let's say I had been religious up till now and suddenly thought LeVay was this genius. When I, thought, I don't know how quick I'd be to pull the trigger, right? Whereas you're a teenager, like, this is pretty cool. I'm on to this. <laughs> uh, I think life was much different. I wasn't like into drugs and all this stuff. Um, I do think that it became unhealthy in the sense that I thought almost everyone that believed was stupid. Yeah. And uh, that's a dangerous route to think. Um not just against Christians, but think about all the world religions. Oh, that's a lot of billions of people. Right. Um, full disclosure, I actually dabbled in Hinduism for a little while too. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, still have a soft spot in my heart for Hinduism because it was around before Christianity. Mm-hmm. There's arguments to be made it was around before Judaism. And, and it always what bothers me about 
and we've talked about this before, is like, how did that part of the world not get any? And so I just, sometimes I don't feel it's fair to those people. It's like, so if this 10 year old, we've talked about this before, this 10 year old from India has Mm -hmm. never heard about Christ. Is he really going to face eternal damnation? I have a hard time believing with an all loving God that that happens. But then we're getting into a discussion of universalism. No, it's, it's tough. That's a very tough, I mean, we could talk seven days about that. Um, but no, I don't think my life was super different. I think it was less guided. And I think I was looking forward to my adult life for all the wrong reasons, right? I can't wait to make millions, which maybe everyone thinks that. Can't wait to make millions. I can't wait to um, be older and sexy and get laid all the time. I can't wait to – I was just like looking forward to all the wrong things. I was never – I never once at that period of my life, guaranteed, everyone said, I can't wait till I have a family. Mm. Never even crossed my mind. I didn't want a family. How am I going to indulge if I have a family? Right. Um, I would probably, I probably became a little more selfish. I mean, it's right in the statements that (laughs) I should be. Uh, I did become, I think a more cautious because I think I thought we lived in this society where you can believe what you wanted to without repercussion. And that's not true. No matter what you believe. Right. Um, You're going to get judged by somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe, and maybe that's why people stay away from organized religion. They're afraid that someone's going to judge them or maybe it's within the church. I, I feel like a lot of people get driven away because they go to a church and like my experience where I felt like I was the poor kid and everyone knew we were the poor family. I was like, I just felt like every time I'd go somewhere church related, I was being judged. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, just be careful of that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that a lot of, um, I think the, the perception of judgment is a natural thing. I mean, I, I'm always feeling, I, I have, um, the, the, the total imposter syndrome. I've got like this guilty personality where I, for the, it's, t- it's still to this day, part of my life, but I've, I've just kind of learned But when I get a, when I used to get, you know, Oh, your, your boss wants to talk to you immediately. My first thought was, Oh my gosh, I did something wrong and I'm going to get judged. I'm getting in trouble. Or, uh, it used to be, um, if something broke, you know, at, at home or in an office somewhere, whatever it was, something bad happened, I used to feel like it was my fault, even if I knew, or I'd be like, maybe I did do that. I'm like, you didn't do that. You weren't even there. <laughs> like, how, would, how would you, maybe I did something that caused something that caused that. Right. And I just, I, this it's part of who I am. I think it's just really a natural thing that we have to work against, um, Maybe maybe it's how we're raised. Maybe that's a, an American Midwest thing. I don't know, but I always kind of felt that way that something's my fault. I, I mean, I sometimes even pass the judgment on myself, right? Oh, like, sure. um, even though I knew this whole journey was about faith, and that there was going to be no set of facts that I'd be able to convince myself and other people. Otherwise, we'd all believe one thing, right? Right. So I had to con- judge myself, my faith, my newfound faith, and like. Come on, Faith Brandon. You got to do better than this, right? <laughs> right? So I would reason – I did a lot of research and stuff. Um, but the thing – the one fact that hits me and I still stump people with and maybe some people would come, oh, I could argue this out of him and they probably could. <clears throat> there are more witnesses to the resurrection than there are most – not most – many events that we take as historical fact. True. Do we take those things as historical fact, not as historical fact, even though there's less witnesses? No. The reason we don't take the resurrection as historical fact as an entire society is because in people's eyes it's biologically impossible. Right. But 
I have a hard time believing all those early Christians that early on, not long after the resurrection, that well coordinated to put that all together. <laughs> right. Without Twitter, how would they coordinate? I mean, that gives, that's giving those people a lot of credit. Uh-huh. So if, if people don't believe in the resurrection, which obviously there's millions of them that don't, you're telling me you believe that this small, this group of people somehow coordinated this entire thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's now in a book that's been written down for 2000 years. That's been probably, more debated and more researched than any other book in history. Right. And they still haven't been able to dispute it. And and it's this idea that what, what that line of thinking basically is, is the resurrection is the world's most intricate conspiracy theory. Right. And I, I actually kind of dabble. I like some conspiracy theories. Sure. I, I think this is kind of fun. But I always – you can tell the ones that are bullshit really quick when you go, who stands to gain from this and you can't figure it out? So one of my – I think it's really fascinating is um, the flat earthers. Oh, God. These people are great. I, I, I'm glad they exist. <laughs> I'm glad they're out there. But the idea that there's a group of people who are perpetuating this conspiracy that the earth is round. And all I go is why? Like what? who benefits? There's, there's no money involved. Like who gets a pile of cash for saying the earth is round when it's really flat? No one. So if you apply that thinking to the resurrection, who gains um, if you're a first century, first generation Christian and you're saying, I saw Jesus resurrected? There's no money in that. No. There's no fame in that. In fact, they, they, most of them were martyred and killed. Be like, yeah, that's fake, but whatever. I got nothing else going on. I might as well get eaten by lions. Right. <laughs> it makes no sense. So, I mean, at some point it, and there's some interesting theories on how, like, maybe it was this, like, mass hallucination that, like, weird mushrooms happened to grow. And, and everybody all ate the same mushrooms and had the same hallucination. Grasping at straws. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty deep. Well, I think modern conspiracy theories is part of tribalism, right? You get into oh, a yeah. conspiracy theory, and now you're with a group of people who believe that conspiracy theory. Now they have flat earth society conventions <laughs> and you have websites like Infowars and you have <laughs> Alex Jones. The problem is some of that stuff's become almost mainstream. Yeah. Well, it's entertaining. <laughs> well, and that's so it becomes entertaining and it becomes this whole I have this group now that mm-hmm. believes this stuff. And it, I, don't, I think it's kind of dangerous. It is. It's, it's absolutely dangerous. And it is um, whether it is. Whether Alex Jones on purpose and he's just being a goof, that's still dangerous. Or what if he's crazy? Right. Still dangerous. Like yeah. either way, there's, there's no good way that all of this nonsense is is useful for our culture and our society. It's it's not a yeah. And I'm I've been reading a lot of books on on tribalism lately. Um, people are probably sick of me talking about it on this podcast now, but it's <laughs> so absolutely interesting. Um. But what about like life now? Like post post this, you, you've had this change. Sure. What's the what's the distinction? Okay, so I guess there was that gap between right. I was like kind of hardcore athe, you know, Satanism ish, mostly because I was rebellious. Right. I mean, that, let's be honest. That's the reason I wore that as a moniker because it was rebellious and it seemed edgy and cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not gonna lie. That's exactly what it was. Like it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this is so. I'm all gung-ho about this. I obviously said it wasn't gung-ho enough about to write a $200 check. <laughs> um, then there was that period kind of in between. 
And, but I don't know how much changed in between that because I think I was still taking part in a lot of hedonism. But the one thing that's never left me is I am almost overly empathetic. Yeah. So I'm that person that as I survey a room, I almost feel the emotions of people there. Yes. And it's a lot of people have argued, Brandon, that's a really good trait to have. But the problem is, is it makes me anxious. So, um, Actually, here's a funny story. I heard one time in college we were doing shrooms, okay? <laughs> this is already a great story. <laughs> <laughs> and I never had fun doing shrooms with them three times. I think they're awful. But <laughs> to each their own, I guess. Right. And the first thing I noticed um, as it kind of starts to kick in is I notice, like my buddy, I could see in his face that he wasn't enjoying himself. So that's all that was in my head. And it just, I felt it. And so like the rest of the night, I'm just like, he's not having a good time. I'm not having a good time. But I do that even without shrooms. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like at a funeral, for instance, I don't get that emotional during funerals until I look at the the spouse of the person who passed. Yeah. I never get emotional. And so, you know, if I want to be a big tough guy, I just don't look at the spouse, but I look at that spouse and it breaks my heart. It's like, oh my gosh, this is their best friend for like 50 years. And it just, it breaks me. So Full disclosure, that sort of, ext- I don't want to say extreme, but overly empathetic self yeah. has never went away. I've learned how to deal with it better as an adult because otherwise it would it would depress me all the time. Yeah, sure. I'd be like Solomon writing Ecclesiastes, you know. <laughs> um, but there was that kind of gap in between where I wasn't doing the super rebellious atheist thing. But I was with, here's what essentially happened. And I don't, I think politics has become some people's religion. Uh, I, I, absolutely. And I think it kind of did for me because I was, there was a year there or so where I was obsessed with cable news. I'd watch it every day, all the time. Oh, that's when not I study. No, it was horrible. <laughs> Finally, my roommate came and he goes, you really need to turn this off, man. You've been watching like CNN or, you know, whatever yeah. nonstop. And, um, so like, I think I've told you this before is I went through, I sometimes would go through thoughts and things that would come up and go, have to look at it through the progressive lens kind of like Christians rightfully so go, I need to look at this through a Christian lens. What would Christ do here? And I would do that with, with just progressivism. I'm used, I'm putting air quotes up everybody (laughs) because I thought I don't, I want to do the right thing. Well, that was me grasping at straws for what I should be looking at through faith. I was trying to replace my faith with politics. And I think I did that for a while too. Um, so since this whole journey has started and it's mind you, it's about six months old now. I mean, we're still pretty fresh. Um, I would say that I'm more happy for sure. Like the simple things bring more joy. Like, of course I still stress about money and of course I still stress about my career. Um, I'm getting older, starting a family. This thing still kind of stress me out, but just the simple things in life bring me so much more joy, like a beautiful, bright, sunny day or whatever. It used to be like, whatever, it's a bright sentence. Now I'm like, oh, look at this great day God's given us. Yeah. Let's make the most of it. If that's all faith gave me, that's enough. That's a lot. But it's given me a lot more than that, too. Yeah. And so I'm like, if this past six months is my future, well, then it's a no-brainer. I'm I'm on to something. It's, it's right. the right thing to do. Um, I don't think I was ever – I think I was ever horribly negative, but I was negative a lot, too. Like I'd always look at – I was never a glass half full guy. And I still struggle with that. It's not like it's been fixed in six months, right. but I become more of an optimist too. Right. Um, there's certain things I'm just stubborn about, but um, just seeing the glass half full, um, knowing that, and this is the part that always bugged me because I couldn't convince myself that any of this religion thing was real. Right. 
But then I'm like, so we're here on this earth. This is it. And then I rot in the ground. Okay. That's it. That's, right. that's all I'm here to do. So that means if my career didn't go well or I had no legacy, then my life was essentially meaningless. Right. Solomon Ecclesiastes, right? Right, dude. Um, and so then I thought I had this thought. This is what I thought for a year. So this is we're here in between Satanism and coming back. There's something that drives us human beings to keep going. Like, why don't we all just commit mass suicide and just call it quits? Because right. we're obviously destroying this planet. We're doing horrible things to each other. What, what keeps us waking up every day and doing these horrible things or living in slavery or being persecuted or going to a job we don't like, you know, more applicable here? What makes us tick? And I could never come up with it other than that there's this force that drives us. That's why I always call it. my friends and make fun of me. It's like, Oh, what do you, what do you think? This was a few years ago, actually. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, what do you believe? And I said, you know, I used to be that asshole atheist, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, there's gotta be something there because something's driving us to keep going and waking up every morning. Right. And I was like, it's like this force. It's that the eternal force. It's like keeps humanity being humanity. And I remember one of my Christian friends at the time goes, yeah, that's God, dude, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I know that guy. (laughs) And I look at it and I go, that's exactly what God does. Because why do we wake up every day? I don't – there's no reason for us to. And there's no – there's, for me, it's always been the the transmission of data. And and why why is today um, as important, if not more important, than yesterday for me to get up and keep moving and keep going? Because, you know, the world – it seems like ought to find a stasis at some point, right? I mean, procreation has this this drive to move the species up more and have more critters and more deer, more raccoons, more squirrels. But then there's these other critters that eat them, <laughs> you know? And, and we have found a way to eliminate most of that and, and strive to continue to, to press the species of humanity forward when – it would seem an in, like if you scrub God out of the conversation, the intelligent thing would be to say, we should stop. Everybody yeah. just stop right where we – no more kids. You know, like maybe you get assigned a kid. You know, you get to have one child and it's sexual – it's Brave New World stuff, which is one of my favorite books ever um, because it, it, it describes what I think a world without God ought to look like. Like here here is – the world and, and you get assigned to be a, an alpha or a beta and, and that's just how life is. And I go, that, that makes a lot of logical, reasonable sense, but it so grinds against the gut feeling and the, the natural instinct I have that says, no, I can't. We continue to press forward, to grow, to expand. All it's funny. It's funny you say that because even when I was so convinced I was an atheist, in retrospect, I was probably agnostic. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have Sarah. Could you shut that door? Sorry, everybody listening at home. Thank you. I forgot there was band practice and children's choir and stuff tonight. They're gonna make a racket. Like they're they're talking about Satan. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, what I've realized is if you really pry and you could have a very long, deep conversation with someone that says they're atheist you usually can boil out of them that they're actually agnostic because they would like to say that it's just our strive to keep the human race going. That's what I go. Okay. But what gives us that strive? There's nothing that we have found so far that would keep, that would keep driving us to do that. Yep. It's the old ontological argument, the, the prime mover, the first thing. And, and, 
it's just you know well Romans talks about it being part of what God does is is write this on the hearts of humanity but it's it's evident that it's there because it's everybody finds seeks and looks for meaning and even if that meaning is um, that that atheistic hedonism cool that there's meaning the the, the driver is pleasure is yeah. is just to indulge yourself cool but that's a thing you know you, you don't see you, you don't see critters with this um, divine drive to have great pleasure they eat food that's delicious and procreate and that's about it but you know they're not building skyscrapers and painting and doing art and stuff, right? So it's so to say that when I talked about this earlier, and this is the part I don't talk about a lot, <laughs> is that there's been these moments in life, <clears throat> a lot of times around to death, uh, are just deep in thought, or you know, hitting a bong or whatever, where I would go. And I'm telling you, in retrospect, I think it was the Holy Spirit just trying to open that, help me open that door because I, I wouldn't even crack it. Yeah. Just where I'd go, this doesn't make sense. But if I went back to what I grew up with, <laughs> it kind of does. But no, that's that can't be right because that's just what stupid people believe. Yeah, they, right. They, and I would always say weak people need religion because they need somebody that's watching over them, this big guy in the sky watching over them. And so I always saw religion as a signal of weak-mindedness, right. that you just couldn't get through life on your own. Um, <clears throat> I don't believe that obviously anymore, but um, it's just interesting that throughout that whole – no matter where I was at in this – you know. F- that these little things would come in my head every once in a while. Yeah. And I think this, the last occasion of my niece dying was enough. I opened the door enough for Jesus to walk in. Um, I don't think I'd opened it far enough before. So let me ask the, the question that um, I've been kicking around now for a little bit. I wrote it down because I don't want to forget to ask this. Do you think that, that you 100% lost faith along the way and got it back? Or do you think, you think that you believed but – backslid or stuffed it in a corner i mean what would you say like if if in the in the height of your um atheism and and the dabbling in in satanism and all of that if you had died at that moment heaven or hell just i mean it i mean that's no um, you can't decide obviously but what would you guess what would be your opinion probably hell um because yeah it was there but I couldn't convince myself that Jesus was holy, I guess, or godly um, because I took this and it's popular to do now. He was this awesome revolutionary. and Man, we should look up to him for that. Mm-hmm. That's it. And mind you, some of the apostles thought that too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I think I looked up to him in that sense. But then I think you're getting to another point where maybe there was pieces of my faith but Christians turned me off and Christians on their high horses really turned me off. Christians on their high horse still turned me off. <laughs> right. Um, I think there were moments where probably there was, it's back there going, there's something to this. You just need to step back in, but it, it wasn't all the time. Right. So most of the time it was me. And then, like I said, then I went through a few years of there's something there. And I do remember at Creighton, I talked to a couple priests a couple times cause I'm like, Man, they're honest. This religion class is crazy awesome. And then I had to take a class called Reading the Old Testament. I was like, this is going to be awful. 
It's actually more of an archaeology class. Oh, cool. And so we, I learned things that blew my mind because I, maybe I felt when I grew up that I couldn't question things and that quite, like we talked about yeah. earlier. And so we learned that the archaeological evidence shows that maybe Yahweh had a female counterpart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was like, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> like who, who decided that, that that's happened? Like why did I not get told that? Um, and so it was these things that I think – Learning, I think learning scripture from the Jesuits helped crack the door a little more. Interesting. Just because they didn't seem on a high horse about it. They're like, yeah, this is a book. Here's what the archaeology says. Here's some other things. And it felt more casual and that I could actually go at it. I was encouraged to question it. Yes. Because that's what the, the Jesuits did. Not like afraid of the questions. But here they are. They obviously believe in something because they'll go martyr themselves without thinking twice. Right. So I don't know. I don't necessarily think that they're completely right because, you know, I do have a, I think I have a higher view of scripture, not a higher view. I think it's more inspired than they give it credit for. Right. Because they come at it as scientists because they're also, a lot of them are PhDs. Right. Um, but then it was easy for me. It was too easy for me to take that little door cracking moments from the Holy spirit and whatever, get out of here. Yeah. Because, I had hedonistic things I wanted to do. Because <laughs> I got a checklist. <laughs> I haven't tried shrooms yet. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. My mom's going to be like, why would you talk about that? <laughs> Dude, it's such a good story. I love it. It's, you know, we, we obviously can't um, say for certain, you know, but but I like to just kind of poke around and ask that question. Like, because there's certain boxes that we check. Like, would would you... Um, say that you believed in Jesus, you know, confess with your mouth and Jesus Christ, you save all, all those kinds of You can check certain boxes, but faith just isn't that clean. It's, it, faith isn't a matter of check this box. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, you're a Christian. Yes, no, yes, yes, no. Ooh, you're not a Christian. Right. It is this thing of um, this ongoing journey and, and uh, everybody – struggles with those questions what about that 10 year old kid in india right you know and um i always just encourage people don't don't stop asking that question but if you as, as you walk along in discipleship the question itself starts to change um and you know is, is that the question is really kind of always is that fair that that kid so if you if you get to a place like i've, I've been to refugee camps in Kenya and I've been to hard places and my definition of fair has changed and my perspective on, on what is fair is completely different. And I, I used to ask that question uh, a lot, you know, man, that's not, how do I believe in a God who's not fair? And now I'm at this point where I go, how do I decide what fair is? Right. And like, it's, so the, the question, even in my mind, isn't fully resolved, but I, what I've gotten to the point of believing is I'm on the way to understanding those things more. And someday I'm going to see Jesus and be like, so I got some questions. Right. <laughs> and I'm going to get them. <clears throat> well, and I, I, th- I think the most common misconception for people that are close to me about what's happened to me is that it was a light switch. Right. It's not a good analogy because this has been a long journey. I just kind of happened to say, I got to a point and it was unfortunately my niece's death to go, I'm done. I'm pulling the trigger. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, um, I have to do something like there's this hole in my heart. I know it's going to fill it. So why, why am I beating around the bush? Why am I waiting? Right. 
because I had this whole idea last year when I started this thing that I'm going to dabble. I'm going to go to a Quaker church. I'm going to go to an Greek Orthodox church. I'm going to, I'm going to check out every single thing I can go to before I make a baby. I said, this is going to take years. No big deal. But I knew where my heart, like the more I thought about it, I was like, I know where my heart is. So why, why am I fighting it? Why am I going to pretend that I need to take two years to go on this journey? Because I don't. Um, And I think that's the, beauty of christianity you know you don't have to be a monk to believe what we believe right um the one thing i did struggle with though is because i was obviously baptized as a baby mm-hmm. and i was like do lutherans believe in rebaptism and they don't they don't Correct. think it's necessary Correct. but like part of me is like come for i came from it kind of feels like i need to <laughs> um so that actually you know I, and i'm sure some denominations do right? oh, yeah. maybe baptists yep um like if i were to join baptist church i'm sure they would yeah you need to get baptized again sure um and I remember thinking, well, I, f- I sometimes thought it was maybe it's something I need because I felt like it was the physical act of it's time. I want to God's children again. Right. Um, but like we talked about, you know, there's no f- physical markings of that I got baptized. Right. And what's great about baptism is it's it's the work that God does. So God made a promise to you. And um, we're kind of trying to get our head around how much of that did you walk away from, how much you came back to, at what point in high school, how far away, how much of his promise did you – all of that's regardless because he didn't go back on his promise. Right. So his promise is still good. It's 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 our follow-through. So the, the baptism is still valid. What, what Lutherans have always lacked is um, some way to respond because we always get twitchy around that. Like, sure. man, it's, it's not about what you do. Right. But I'd like to to publicly say – so we, we have this thing called confirmation where you're baptized as a baby and then at some point you stand up and publicly say, this is what I believe. Right. But then we have it in our heads that so then you'll always believe that. Like, well, what if, you know, things go sideways? You take Some people take a left turn. You took a hard left and now you're back. It would be cool to have something where you can stand up and say – I'm back. I want everybody to know I'm, I'm saying this thing publicly and it's my response. God has been good to me. So let me just say it. That's and, useful. And I don't think we need to make a sacrament out of it. But here's, Correct. The, here's the thing. A lot of people leave after confirmation. It's not just a me thing. Sure, sure they don't run to Levain philosophy <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> but that's why church membership is shrinking. People are running away after confirmation. Yeah. Maybe there needs to be something like that. And I'm sure it could be a church by church basis. Like you said, I think Lutherans, we tend to be a little private. Yep. I still, and mind you, it's still pretty fresh for me. I'm like, should I talk about my faith now? Is it okay? Am I going to step on people's toes? Oh, this is going to sound like it's a me thing. I don't, never mind. Yeah. I, I still sometimes have a hard time with it, talking to people about it. Um, but uh, remember when we first met, or when we first became friends on Facebook, you said that you had went to a bar, so said they'd never done a shot with a pastor, and so you had to humor them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, Pastor Luke goes to the bar? That's cool, <laughs> you know? And I, and I was, the more I thought about it, I was like, that's a perfect place to do ministry. Because mm-hmm. um, when I was a bar fly, I can't just think about the stupid deep conversations that you have in a yes. bar. Just imagine if you had a really good one. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's actually a perfect place to do ministry. Because a lot of people at bars, I'm not saying everybody, there's a lot of people just go there for have a drink for their anniversary or whatever, are lost. Absolutely. And it's like, so I think every time we think about doing mission work, and that's something that, you know, I'm still new to it. But I, I'm taking more opportunities to share the gospel when I have it because I'm not getting any younger. Right. I don't have any reason to be embarrassed about it. Right. Um, and people, Brandon, I don't want to hear it. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not out on a, 
a city square preaching or anything, yeah. but I do find moments every here and there, especially on social media, where I'm like, probably should say something. Yeah. Like, sense of, I'm just really lost in life right now. I really wish I had some direction. Just comments in that yeah. that vein. I'm like, I remember the first time I read it, I was like, oh, do I say something? <laughs> and of course, I'm like, I have to say something. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important, too. I think that's the thing for people that grow up Christian, stay Christian, hard in the faith, church every Sunday. They lose that ability to empathize with non-believers and get them to come to church. The way to get them to come to church is, yeah, come to my church. It's great. I say, like, you know, I tell you what. And that's just where I feel like maybe God used this plan for me specifically mm. because I now am coming from a place where I can totally empathize with non-believers. Like I have been there. Trust me. I know. But I can tell you what life's like afterwards for me. It's way better on this side. I'm telling you folks like, yeah, right. Um, and so I, I try to think about that when I just kind of go through my day to day life and I'm like, should I tell people about my faith journey? Cause I'll be honest with you first asked, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm like, no, I mean, if this helps one person, it, it's, it was useful. Right. Yeah, and I hope people can laugh. I'm like, wow, my brain kind of crazy, but <laughs> um, I just, I'm trying to find those small moments to just share the basics because that's the other thing when you've been Christian your whole life and you learn all the th- theology. Yeah. Sometimes you got to go back to basics. Absolutely. The simplest message. God sent his son to die for us, to save us. Yeah. For you specifically. Yeah. And if you believe in him and believe that he uh, died on the cross for your sins and raised again to save, you know, that's it. That's all you have to believe. There's Uh, no. We have such a great message. I, so I, I go to this bar Mickey's all the time and, um, I was just there yesterday, two days ago, yesterday. And, um, so I've gotten to know the whole wait staff, a number of the patrons really well, have had several conversations. I had a conversation with a guy once for three hours in the parking lot about Christianity and faith and uh, grew up Catholic and he's kind of – he has fallen away. And he kept saying to me over and over again, I want to believe again. And I was like, dude, you're so – like that's cool. You're on the way. Don't worry. It's it's, it's not something that, that just happens with a lightning bolt. But he's you know taking his kids to – to church and he just doesn't feel it. He's, you know, this Catholic church thing is not him anymore. And, um, another one of the, the bartenders, um, just one time said, I was doing marriage counseling actually. <laughs> and she goes, are you guys doing marriage counseling? I said, yeah. And she goes, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, um, my dad was a, a missionary and we started talking and, and she is, what I've found is if you just connect with people kind of in this way, that is not about, um, come to my church, not about, um, believe this or go to hell, but more about, yeah, I'm, I get where you're, where you're at, what you're going through. Um, they're inviting themselves to our church. Yeah. It's really by one of the bartenders said, can I come to your church? Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't need my permission. It's well, cool. hold on. If you fill these application <laughs> yeah. forms and a $200 check. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. No, and that actually the one thing I still struggle with though, like I think I'm to a point where I could talk to people openly about the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, praying in public. Yeah, it's a huge leap for people, and I it, get it, it is um, because I used to be that guy that people were, oh god, look at these people over there, they're praying in public. Yeah. Whoop de doo, Brandon. Like um, <laughs> because when people need to help and support, especially in times of great duress, you know, death or whatever, mm-hmm. we should really be praying with them. You Absolutely. know, and I'm sure it's a little easier for you. You've been at this a few years, but 
um, like if someone at the bar is like, oh, man, that was a great conversation. I just wish I knew what to do next. And the answer would be, well, we should pray on it. Yeah. Let me pray for you with you. I still don't know today if I'd be able to pull the trigger and be like, hey, let's sit here and pray a minute. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'm kind of working on, you know. Well, it wigs other people out. And yeah. I, I do it, and I've done it at Mickey's. I've done it with bartenders at Mickey's. And the what I usually do is, is I say, can I pray for you? And people are always quick. To be like, yeah, that'd be – sure do appreciate thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers. But it's just these words you say. And I go, okay, and I'll either you know grab a hand or say, all right, and just pray. And they kind of like, oh, now? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> like, I don't know. And it just real quick, you know, uh, God in heaven, just prayed today that you'd be with so-and-so, struggling with this. Give them insight. Jesus' name, amen. Oh, man. I got to tell you, this whole thoughts and prayers thing, <laughs> I, it's become so second nature. People obviously aren't thinking and praying about it. Yeah. No matter what it is. I don't just mean deaths and yeah. shootings and everything. I don't want to go down the school shooting route. But. Now it's so lazy that you don't even have to say thoughts of prayers. You just put the prayer emoji. <laughs> but you're telling me in that a second you put the prayer emoji that you actually are writing down your prayer request. I'm not saying some people don't because they do. Sure, for sure. Most people aren't. No. Nope. And to me, that's awful because you're essentially telling someone, hey, I'm praying for you and you're not. Yeah. No, I just. Um, what just, a slap in the face. I like, just, can you this, please pray for my family? You know, yeah, thoughts and prayers. And then you, most people don't. Yeah. I, that's why I try. And and I, I used to be bad at this because I, I always, I, I mean, I, I have a discipline that I go through, you know, in the morning, sit in prayer, read scriptures, that kind of stuff. And I, and I keep a list of, of people I'm praying for. And um, what I find is I'd, I'd be like kind of in a transition, like, man, I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Can I, can I pray for you. Blah, blah. And I'm like, I'll write that down. And then, like two weeks, I gotta write that down, and I gotta remember to. Right. And I just wouldn't. So it's partially because of my own shortcoming in uh, in the moment I say it, and I don't add it to the list right away. So I just shortcut right to let's pray. And I go. I just yeah. did this with a neighbor the other day. I'm like, oh man, that's going through a tough transition. Things are hard, and instead of my Oh, I'm going to add you to my prayer list and be like, let me pray for you. God in heaven. Whoa. <laughs> We're doing this now. Okay, cool. It, it's a great it's a great tool because when when you do that right then and there, um, and a guy, the guy I learned this from, uh, a guy named Mark Gherkin, um, really kind of opened the door for doing that with me years ago when I first became a pastor in Iowa. He goes, he's a, a district guy. He goes, let's go out to eat, get to know each other. And we're sitting down and just getting ready to order. And the waitress is standing there and, and just kind of doing the chit-chat with the with, with the waitress and get our food. We're just going about, about ready to pray. And she comes over to check on us. And she saw us about to pray. And she goes, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And he goes, no, it's okay. Can I pray for you? And she was like, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> we just did. <laughs> nice. And it was like, I went, well, that's the way to do it. Right. Because <laughs> I don't have a pen and paper at lunch with Mark. I'm not going to write it down. Pray then, and you'll be done. Yeah, it's. I'm working on it. <laughs> well, the other thing I realize it's coming from. Remember, I told you my biggest pet peeve is the term "born again Christians," and yeah. I get why it's a thing. Like, yeah, and I, I, I get, and it's probably a good term. Yeah, it's well-meaning, and I think that it's basis in fact. Right, you're born again in Christ. Right. I don't think it fits me because right. a lot of people are born again, just got baptized, they hadn't found Christ before. You know, it, yeah. And I came back, and um, I just kind of feel like I grew up. Because I feel like that was child me doing all that silly stuff. Like, yeah. um, 
So I feel like I'm a grown-up Christian, not a born-again one. I don't know. But I think you're right. We're all children of Christ, but... We always say you're, you're born again in <clears throat> baptism. That happened for you as an infant. It happens for some people later in life when you know they, they didn't know Christ and then are baptized. They're, they're born again. Your story is, is more prodigal son-ish. You know? like he, he was never, as far as, if you remember the story, he's, as far as the father is concerned, he was never outside of the family, but he's living a life so detached from it, he may as well be in hell. Right. Like, I think I was on the, our church membership roster for years after I technically left, right? <laughs> right. I think my mom got my offering envelopes, for all, you know. <laughs> right. um, and that's another thing, since I came back that I struggled with, I was kind of obsessed with becoming a member somewhere. Right. Um, and actually, hey, Duncan, last week he's like, <laughs> It's just formality, man. Like, it just makes you go to meetings. <laughs> Do you want to vote? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, you come hear the gospel without being a member. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, why am I so worried about that? Yep. You yep. know, because, and that's the other thing when you're coming from a place I did, it's like, it's kind of overwhelming. It's like, where do I go now? Absolutely. Because, like I said, I knew home was home and I didn't want to go through a whole new, I guess, theology and all yeah. of that. So I was like, oh, LCMS, fine with me. There's some things I disagree with. And the other way I reconciled coming back to the LCMS to be a little hitting a little closer to home, if I were to go through the list of things LCMS believes, I'd probably get a little upset at certain points. Right. And I was like, but is that enough to keep me away? Because how am I going to change it if I'm not a member? Right. Or or have a voice in, you know, even so I I wouldn't say that there's a lot of things I don't agree with as much as I really don't agree with how we put that into practice. Sure. That's probably a better way I mean, of putting it. Ugh, there's there's so many dicks out there. Well, I saw this this letter that was going around LGBT circles and I happened to see it that um, this church called St. Paul actually and it was somewhere in uh, I couldn't tell you which state. It wasn't Iowa. I didn't hit that close to home. Um, They actually essentially excommunicated a member because he was gay. And I'm like, okay, the LCMS believes certain thing. you Mm -hmm. You know, don't do stuff like that. Yeah, and don't don't really make it so public as to and writing a letter. Yeah. I mean, there's times that you know people get mad that Reverend Harrison signs his names on letters that I don't think he should sign. Yeah, um, the most recent one I can think of is the one about transgender people. It's like we can we can have our opinions on that, and that's fine. But don't lump us in with because some of the other names on that list, I was like, oh no, we're on the list with these people. <laughs> Yeah. And it, it kind of it breaks my heart sometimes, but like I said from the beginning when I came, I was like, I think I'm going to stick with LCMS. And I told my mom that, and of course she was thrilled. Yeah, I was like, how am I going to change anything if I'm not there? Right. Well, that so that's interesting. So, how did your mom feel when you were so far from the church for so long? Was she just wigged out? <laughs> I don't think she said much. Because um, I'll be honest with you, she kind of stopped going too. Because um, I was kind of the man of the house. You know, my mom was a single mom. Yeah. Um, and that's what kind of sucks about it the most, I think, is that I think the household followed suit. Mm. We didn't really go to church much after yeah. I stopped, after I got confirmed. It was just, I, I don't really want to go. Mom was like, you have to, you're on the schedule to act like this Sunday. I was like, I'm not going. Okay. And that was that. I mean, she wasn't pushing it down my throat or anything. But I tell you what, she's been at church and Bible study every Sunday since Christmas too. Uh-huh. Um, it was kind of a turning point for my entire family, I think. And um, it's funny, mom has a saying now <laughs> She's like, you know, and they could use a little bit of Jesus. And I'm like, Mom, you're 
It's like you just started going back a lot six months ago. I mean, she was going occasionally, yeah. but she dove in, huh? Yeah, um, yeah. They could use a little Jesus. I just think that's funny. But so, yeah, I think coming back to the LCMS specifically, I did have some apprehensions. So I was like, I'm sure I could find a nomination that's more in line with my personal beliefs. But that's not what this is about anyway, right? Right. It's not. It's not a political party, right? And that I think is where people. Because of our tribalism, I don't want to get on that hope, but like, oh, this has to benefit me. Yeah. Not necessarily. Um, It's, you know. Well, all religion should be about um, bending yourself towards that religion. That's that's where American individualism kind of has taken over and and said, no, this is about me and finding the religion that fits me, all this kind of stuff. That's a very Western American mindset. Um, whether it's Christian or otherwise, there's, there's a set of – this drives me crazy when um, it, it's, it's usually um, 20-something yoga pant wearing um, <laughs> <laughs> blonde gym girls are like the universe and everything in this and, and the you know tr- trying to make all of these religions sort of the same thing drives me crazy because you don't get a vote. As to what Mohammed meant when he wrote that. Right. Because he meant something. And you don't get a vote as to what Paul meant when he wrote that thing. And you don't get a vote – like those those things, you're creating a different thing. And it's really all about you. Cool. Yeah. Start start the religion of of yuppie 20-something, you know, recent college grad girl. That's cool. But and, that's not Christian or Muslim. And this is a rabbit hole we can go down some other time. But here's the reality, though, is a lot of people are also quick to judge Christianity because we're the big boys in town, like you talked about. Absolutely. If you said now the same people that just harp on Christianity, try to get them to harp on Islam. Yeah, it's not cool anymore. Yeah, most won't. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that I, well, I was a equal opportunity hater. I was the same way with Islam. So um, I would just pull apart most religions. <laughs> yeah. The one I didn't pick on much was Hinduism because it was kind of hard to – because a lot of it, I think people think Hinduism and think thousands of deities, yeah. which is true. But actually, if you boil it down, it's all about reaching Brahma, which is why Hinduism doesn't look for converts. Right. Because they think you can find Brahma in different ways. And you're going to get there eventually just how many reincarnations you need. Right, whether it's through Christ or the Buddha or that's the reason there's not Hindu missionaries. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting – We had a Hindu couple in, in the church I served in Michigan and um, – Were they converts? Yeah, they, okay. came, they came to Christianity after many, many years of, of being kind of connected through the school and, and other things. And her statement was, um, our challenge wasn't getting Jesus on the bus. It was getting all the other gods off the bus. Oh. And I went, ooh, that is a whole different mindset. Because I would, I would say your average American who doesn't believe, a non-believer – their bus is full of things, and, and they don't even realize it, but their bus is usually full of themselves, money, success, career, fame, fortune, all this kind of stuff. Right. And they will occasionally invite Jesus on that bus, but Jesus wants to be the only one on the bus. And right. All that other stuff you get to enjoy. If, if you've been given wealth, if you have that, enjoy that. But it can't be on the bus. And I went, that's a whole different way. Not then, and I think I think Christians in general and and Lutheran LCMS, no exception, maybe a prime example. We're we're quick to just try and get Jesus on your bus, but if we don't root around in your heart and say, what else are you holding in here that's as important as Jesus? 
that's why a lot of people fall away from the, the church because yeah. Jesus and my job are kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing I have to check myself about is not everyone's going to get here like I did. And so I think because I can see why people would think it was abrupt because, like I said, this is really pretty fresh still. Not everyone's going to be that ready that quickly. So if I tell someone the good news, it may take them years to go. Oh, my gosh. What that conversation Brandon and I had three years ago. Right. You know, and because I just want to be like, especially my secular friends who I was always kind of nervous that were going to judge me. Some of them want to be like, I kind of want to tell you about the gospel. And I really think you should, you know, you know, yeah. but I have to realize that look how long it took me to come back around. Sure. It's going to take other people time too. Yeah. But just like, I mean, you have all those, those same points of, of, you know, those data points of the Jesuits and, and that was a significant thing. And this other thing was significant along the way. Right. And you draw on that today. So that's how I always look at it is someday somebody might, you know, one of those bartenders at Mickey or the, you know, the, the patrons there, it, it could be 10 years from now, but they're drawing on it. And, and it, I've had this happen before where somebody's, you know, called me up and said, Hey, you know, remember when we talked 10 years ago about I'm like, yeah, can we talk some more? I'm like whew, only 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I, I think that's a great, I, I think your story, your testimony is awesome, man. And, and I think there's a ton to dig around in there. And, um, I'd like to have you on again. Sure. Because I, I think you're a smart kid who's got – you You are a kid, by the way, <laughs> compared to me. What are you, 31? 32. You're close. 32? Just turned 32 a uh, month ago. April Fool's Day. Yeah. Easter this year. I had an Easter birthday. My best friend in the world, Matt Wolf, was born on, on April Fool's Day. That's yeah. awesome. You know what my mom's name is? No. April. <laughs> I can't I can't make this stuff up. Every year in school, I got the joke, you're April's fool. You are literally April's fool. <laughs> yeah, it was great. That's why you were valedictorian. You're like, yeah, yeah I'll show you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm more than happy to, and maybe we can have more, I don't want to say structure, because we're not going to plan. Who are we kidding? No, absolutely not. But I, I, I'm just watching on Facebook and stuff like that. You and I think similarly on some stuff and differently on some other things, and I think it would be fun to... <laughs> hash that stuff out politics and such yeah and i'll pick your brain about some stuff too cool like women in ministry all sorts of little things that, I can. Oh, that would be that would be really fun yeah let's do that all right there you go friends um thanks for coming in brandon and uh, we'll see you soon all right later well there you have it pretty awesome podcast if i do say so myself that was a lot of fun and I hope you enjoy Brandon's story, and uh, please share it with other people. He has been very clear that this story should get out there. If it helps even one person kind of deal with these things, then uh, he thinks it's worth it, and I agree. And what really helps is if you share these podcasts. If they're fun, uh, share them on Facebook or just uh, word of mouth. Tell somebody else about all the things with Luke Tim. You can find these podcasts on Stitcher or the iTunes podcast store. Um, yeah, uh, Find it, like it, share it, do whatever things you do to make it keep going. Um, pretty good audience so far. I'm enjoying it. Everybody seems to be enjoying it. Let's keep doing it. Uh, again, if you want to follow me at Luke underscore Tim on Twitter, Luke underscore Tim on Instagram, Facebook me, or all the things with Luke Tim at gmail.com. All right, boys and girls, be good.